Hey y'all, this is Neon. I'm doing a little video slash podcast today because I haven't really had a chance to talk very much about the spoilers. I've been a little bit too busy to be podcasting uh, as of late and it just really feels like there's been, like the spoilers have been coming so quickly that I haven't even really tried to keep up with them in any other venue, really. So uh, basically, I kind of decided that I would just do this a little bit of a video to kind of cover some of my thoughts on the cards right now. And it's also like going to be doing this in podcast form as well. So I'm going to be narrating like really what the cards are but it'll probably be a shorter for a podcast and like i don't know 20 30 minutes i, I would expect i'm not actually sure um we'll see at the end how, how long it ends up being but i'm going to share my thoughts on a bunch of the cards that are coming out of course for eternals dark frontier expansion that is just coming out tomorrow as a recording this so hopefully i'll be having this out this afternoon so that you guys or, or maybe even tomorrow morning so that you guys can listen to this and watch this before the set actually goes live but I'm going to start off by talking about some of the cards that I think are like the most obvious, and then kind of move into talking some of the more exotic and more interesting cards that are a broader and, and more difficult to evaluate in various ways. Um, the one that I want to start out with, though, is Ice Bolt. This is a two-cost primal spell that deals seven damage to a unit, and its owner plays a sigil of their choice from their deck depleted. And it's a fast spell. Now, this is a, um, for those of you who aren't aware of this, for some reason, this card is insane. Uh, this card is really, really good. Now, it does have limitations. There are, are some ways in which it's not perfect. I um, ran a poll on Twitter the other day, like when this was first released, about people's thoughts on where this stacked up in terms of other removal spells in the game. Uh, a lot of people felt that Desecrate was still better than this. I'm not certain about that. I still think that Equivocate is very likely better than this. We're going to have to play with it. But, like, the the de depleted sigils that your opponent gets will power them up in the early to mid game, but that obviously doesn't matter in the late game. Now, 7 also isn't just, like, Path to Exile, which is a card from Measure of the Gathering that people might recognize. Uh, so there has other differences to, to uh, Path to Exile too, which I think are important to highlight. I'll, I'll get to that um, in, in terms of the evaluation. Like, you can get stuff to outside of 7 health. And, and, like, that happens, like, not too infrequently. Especially if you have, like, an obelisk that's in play or something along these lines. So it's not everything um, in, in, in that respect. It's not, like, a hard removal spell. But, like, 90, 95% of the time, maybe even more than that, it should do the trick in that respect. Now, like, ramping your opponent up will matter, especially in certain situations, but if you can weather that, I think this is a good of very often be a four of in a lot of primal decks, or at least, you know, multiple copies of this in most primal decks. So that's um, one. Now, the other thing to mention, of course, that why this is different than Path to Exile 2 is the fact that it doesn't exile cards. We don't have an exile effect technically in the game, but there's variations on it. Like, we have like things like Void, Void Ban or whatever, and that, that does matter. Like, you'll see some cards even in this set here that will you're going to want to have some effects like that that's a harder you know removal spell and, and and this just does not qualify so you'll be disappointed sometimes there um but for the most part the card is is quite good also costs more than that so it's, it's a lot worse than path to exile so people don't complain comparing it to that might be a little bit over uh excited still really good though uh another card that i wanted to highlight that's just kind of like a really solid obviously good card that just came out today actually is the embargo officer it, it says is it one cost two one for justice influence and it says cards can't leave markets or voids it has shift two now shift is a mechanic i'm going to talk a little bit more about it later on the reason i wanted to include this one is that this is a like a highlight you know a really interesting card that i think is just kind of a really standard like very very likely to see play the, the big issue is um one drop heavy aggro decks have really been struggling for a while now this might be kind of a reason to bring them back one of the big reasons that they've sucked so much is that they are so vulnerable to basically any market hate like if you have any card in your entire market that actually deals with them effectively like um what the rock slides or we had that uh, torrential downpour was another one like these are cards that don't require very much investment in terms of deck building and then like totally smash one drop heavy aggro deck so the fact that this 
at least protects itself in a certain way is interesting. Also, the fact that you have that shift to ability is really neat because you can do things like um, play it out uh, in the shift form to protect your other units from a spot removal spell that they would that they would be getting getting from their their market or from a sweeper that they'd be getting from the market. Like if your opponent is playing a justice deck that only has harsh rule in the market, this uh, protects them from even getting that card from the market. It's worth noting that it hits you as well that you can't get cards from your own market, and uh, that is definitely a, a cost. And because most decks, even if they're aggressive decks, play markets, but you are going to care about it the least, I think, compared to especially these, you know, for instance, three-faction control decks that are playing powerful sweepers. So I, I really think that this is a very interesting card. It's a really interesting design, and I, it, I, I th hope that it deals with some of the issues that we've been seeing of why aggro hasn't been doing so hot other than um, I guess we, we've seen a little bit of a, you know, turning the corner on that recently because of the fire aggro decks that came back, especially in this most recent ECQ. But uh, the, even those ones have a very different angle, a different flavor to them compared to one-drop heavy aggro decks that we've, for instance, seen in the past. So this is, I, at the very least, I'm not, like, exactly certain, I would say, this is going to see play. It has a really good chance of seeing significant play, but it is a really neat design. At, at, at least. So I'm really happy to see this, and I am uh, look forward to seeing where it goes from here. Uh, there's a, another cycle of cards that I think are also really interesting that I wanted to talk about as well. This is the five-cost warp cycle. Uh, I did talk about one of these cards previously in the... Um, when I was talking about Sabu or something like this, uh, the the radiant, uh, the five uh, five cost five five uh, shadow 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 <laughs> card that um, had death touch and warp of course. And, um, death touch is it death touch even deadly right? <laughs> so like confused with Magic the Gathering, uh, even though I haven't played that like in years and years. But Siddhi is the one that we have up here. This is a five cost uh, five justice influence flying warp unit it has onslaught play a curse of provocation on the enemy player and the curse of provocation of course is a five cost shadow um justice relic at the cursed relic at the end of the cursed player's turn if you didn't take damage draw a card this parlance and this like verbiage for this one is a little bit awkward so basically what it means is that if your opponent doesn't hurt you during their turn then you draw a card. So it, you, you can easily draw a card um, every turn against a controlling deck, for example. So a uh, really good punish for controlling decks. But this is a card that we wanted to draw this out as an example of this cycle. Uh, they seem really powerful. Like, this is a really interesting card. It has multiple ways that you can get card advantage for a card like this. It's worth noting that these warp cards, I think, are pretty intentionally designed to punish... Um, to not reward uh, markets, like they don't go in markets well. Like that's one of the things about warp is that it doesn't uh, work well on market in a market because you can't get that um, you know, playing off the top effect. It's part of the reason why you never see heart of the vault in a market, even when it's you know absolutely fucking insane. Um, it, you know you want to maximize the chances that you're able to warp it off the top of the deck. The fact that this is like such brutal influence requirements though is is something that I. I really don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I mean, I've played Jotun Feastcaller, which has pretty brutal influence requirements, but like, there's actually a pretty big difference between three and four, uh, like f uh, three, like four and and five, uh, right? Like you with four or f um, or three, you can do it with a little bit of effort, but I feel like for five, you really need to put the work in. Like you think, for instance, of Champion of Cunning. Like this is a card where People, like, like, it's a really, really powerful card, but basically doesn't see play outside of two faction Felm decks, right? So, um, and even then, like, you often don't get to play it on turn 
five. So the fact that this is a war card that is going to be a little bit harder to play out on time uh, is is definitely a weird wrinkle in this this whole cycle. It makes it really hard to evaluate because I just like, don't know what it feels like to be playing with a five influence card in that that you require in order to just get them out onto the battlefield. Especially, that I don't think that this goes exactly in a control deck um, or any of these cards. You want to be at least kind of mid rangey. I feel so. Uh, it, something different than the champion of cunning for example so not, not being able to curve out with this very consistently is um a concern i don't know this is a lot of like ranting thoughts and kind of wandering thoughts on on this i just don't know how i feel but because it seems powerful a lot of them seem powerful and we talking about this in the other members of this cycle too over the course of this video i'm they're, they're super interesting um definitely though the influence requirements the fact that we're getting some better power in the, the game is going to be part of that story too. So we're gonna talk about those quickly too. We have the insignia here. For those of you who are listening at, ho at home, uh, I am sipping some coffee as I'm going through this. Um, so we have the insignia here. This is a cycle of power that we have as the Praxis, Combre, Huru, Feln, and Stonescar um, versions of this and they gain you gain two influence when you play the power and it becomes depleted if you have any cards of other factions in your deck so basically it means that if you're a mono praxis deck mono combray deck mono huru deck mono stonescar deck or mono film deck um you get rewarded because you get a two faction power that works all the time undepleted which is amazing in case you guys didn't like realize it, it it's something that this this is a really big deal in terms of changing and altering the power level of of these different factions. Now there's some people who've been kind of like going off about how they don't like the factions being controlled by the power level of their uh, their power. I just find it awkward. And uh, going back to for instance for the example of back when we had crests for only six out of the ten factions i get it like i mean i don't i have to say that i'm not like super big fan of it the fact that this particular power though i feel like it really encourages a particular style of gameplay like it has much more in the way of deck building constraints i think that crests are just kind of like just generically good they go into a lot of different decks you can play it in two faction three faction etc like you know, mid-range slash aggressive uh, aggressive decks to uh very controlling decks. it goes a lot of different places um so it, it wasn't a really big deck building consideration it just kind of arbitrarily um made them into something like i don't know different i feel like these really reward certain play styles it really is quite good for aggressive decks particularly uh that, that's focused in just two factions so i feel it actually does a lot to uh, reward a given style of, uh, of play that will differentiate things a, a little bit as opposed to just kind of this arbitrary thing where like some people get them and some people don't so i like them i think uh as a design maybe i will find it's just too oppressive that all we're seeing are practice combray huru stone scar and film decks um over the next little while but you know like i wouldn't be i'm not opposed to seeing a little bit more Combray, a little bit more Falm, for instance. Yeah, recently, like, they were good friends of mine back in the day, back in set one, and uh, haven't been seeing too much competitive success recently. So happy to uh, see them back into the fold and getting some support in, uh, in this form. This, of course, then goes into talking about the merchants, which was spoiled in that same article. This series of smugglers, I'm going to uh, just read through each of them quickly for people who don't uh, know them and people who are listening at home. Like, so there's the, uh, of course, once again, the same set of factions. So Praxis 1, East Annex Smuggler is a charge unit, and you may choose a card uh, from your hand or uh, to swap with a fire or time card from your market so it's basically it's a charge one so we'll, we'll leave the black market thing you guys all know what that text means plus i'll just read the, the other ability so yeah two three charge uh for the praxis one uh pearl abbey is the combray one this is a two one and when you play a spell abbey pearl abbey smuggler gets plus one plus one rhyme conclave smuggler is the huru one onslaught you and rhyme conclave smuggler each get aegis for the 
Felm Smuggler, we have a 1-4 with Berserk. And for th the Stone Scar one, we have a 3-2 with Shift 3. Uh, so this whole cycle, um, I thought initially when I, when I saw these, like, you know what, these are probably a little bit toned down from the smugglers that we got first time, like the first batch of smugglers that we got, especially first out of the gate, seemed absolutely bonkers good. Like they were absurd. Uh, like they did unbelievable. Like they, <laughs> there's two of them that were nerfed twice. Um, we've that's just never happened before. <laughs> there's never been a card that's been that's been nerfed twice since release, like after three months. Like holy shit. Um, so yeah, there was a pretty high um, barrier to overcome, of course, uh, and this didn't seem to be uh, quite at that level. Um, I don't think it's that much lower than that though like it, it's a little bit lower like so i still think that there's a pretty good chance that these ones get nerfed eventually like they're really good um like when i for example the pearl abbey smuggler this is the combray one when i first read it i thought that it just got the plus one plus one until end of turn it's actually permanent um that's really really good it's so good, especially when you have shift. Oh my god, you can like shift it out and then you like have a couple of turns of developing the, 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 the size of it and then it comes into play and you can have uh, stand together ready already, grab stand together ready. Like, oh my god, right? <laughs> you know, this these, these cards are really good. I mean, so Rhyme Conclave Smuggler is the one that sticks out to me as being... Uh, kind of mediocre. It, it's pretty narrow in where it can go into. Like, I mean, if you are in a relatively aggressive Huru, and that's the Huru one, of course, 3 2, Onslaught, you and Rhyme, Conclave, Smuggler each get ages. Like, if you are an aggressive deck, this is basically old Genev uh, Merchant. But, like, that's also not absurd. Uh, and, and you still have to. And, like, part of the, the advantage of old Genev Smuggler is you can just play it out, find you some aggressive tool to, to pair with it, and then, you know, get to work. And so the, the fact that you need to pair this with another unit that's attacking is definitely a downside. This is a, the one that I would point to that I feel is a little bit lackluster. Um, East Annex Smuggler, this is the Praxis one. Oh my god, this one is really good in my mind, especially when you are putting it into something like the uh, Praxis Pledge decks that are around right now. It just fits in there just, like, so naturally. I mean, I know that they like the the ramp from the Aurelian Merchants, but this is a really powerful card because you can also use it to, like, uh, like deal its damage immediately. Um, your market already doesn't have very many cards that are already in your deck, with the exception of Clock the uh, Glass Hopper, which is, a, like, it's an important card. But, um, so, like, this, that's um, something... That you can do if you have an extra charge threat. It's really good against sites, particularly. This bops the um, tomb really well, so that I think is a powerful tool, particularly for something like Genev. Like that, that's something that you would get for them. And and Genev right now, like they've clearly had their market and their merchants sort of targeted in these various ways. Uh, I think that they um like they, they've had both of their all three of the uh, original merchants that they had access to have all been nerfed. So time with the Aurelian, the Genev, and the Ixton ones. And then for they just, of course, had the Great Valley Smuggler also nerfed uh, for, for them. So they've had that hit again and again and again and again. And the fact that East Annex Smuggler also pulls uh, fire cards from the market too. So really good with show as well. So all, all together, this card is... Uh, amazing. I don't know, man. Um, and then the 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 film one. I can't. You can't see it here if you're watching the, the video. I just took a screenshot. But yeah, it, trust me, it is a one for Berserk. Um, that by itself is not particularly exciting. But you pair this with basically anything, and it suddenly becomes unreal. Like I think that people have been talking about the what's the one the three one life stealing weapon i can't remember the name of it now but that one so you can have a four four or four five 
life-stealing berserk unit on turn four that you grab that from the market like you just have all these tools that you could grab from the market and suddenly this card is insane it, it does something really busted it's amazing with rapid shot which once again you can pull from the market if that's what you want so um definitely rewards aggressive play style i guess like also just one four stats i honestly just think they have one four stats for three on a market body like it could just have no other text and that's really interesting because it just blocks so well so if you're playing this in a defensive deck in a controlling deck it does keep away the riffraff and and buy you a bunch of life your opponent's usually gonna have to play a card in order to actually battle past it and then finally, the Stone Scar 1 shift is hard to evaluate on a card like this in my mind. Um, I, I think I'll say this a lot is that I just really have to play with shift, get used to shift, and, and, and see how it plays in order to really like know for sure how I feel about it and where it ranks in the terms of the power level. This seems like a really good card though to me, and I would not be shocked for this to see a, a ton of play in the decks that can cast it. And uh, we're just gonna have to make a lot of um, you have more decisions now about um, market composition, merchant selection, etc. Like it, it, it's all, um, as always, it's gonna be one of the hardest parts about deck building in, in the last couple of months, and, and it'll continue on to the future. But these are really, really powerful cards, and it, it'll shock none of you, I'm sure, that they're gonna say a ton of play. Uh, going back to the ship, though, like we have cards like this. So the, the one that we have right now is Phase Out. This is a one-cost time spell. Choose a unit and shift it. So, of course, this means that they would be uh, out of commission in terms of attacking and blocking for three turns. Uh, the fact that you can use this on both your stuff and your opponent's stuff, and it costs only one, um, this card could be broken. Um, I would not be surprised to find out a few months from now that this card is busted. Um, it, it, this has a really wide range of different applications that you can do. So the one, there are two of the ones that are just like really basic. One, it is, use this on a card like uh, Alessi. Uh, you phase her out. She has this passive where she grows and then she comes back as like a 5-5 five five Aegis unit. And you can just do that without very much effort. And you can be very easily pair the two of them just on turn two. So turn two, play those, you just do regular shit for a couple of turns, and then by before she comes out, you just use the like the stand together and she comes back with ages. Like that's so good. And and it's gonna be really hard for your opponent. Or you have uh, the staff of unity set up so that on your turn you staff of unity, you attack, and unless your opponent has very particular types of fast speed interaction, um you win immediately. Uh so that's wild. Like, like, like I just feel like there's some that's a really powerful application. And the fact that you can use this then to on your opponent's shit. They your your opponent uh, like, let's say you're playing this um, Combre Agro-ish deck that you have, uh, you know, and then you're playing up against a uh, opponent that has something like a Vara, maybe Vara in play, you just phase her out, and you get to attack for free, and she's, like, functionally stunned for, like, five turns. Or <laughs> what feels like five turns, what I'm saying, three turns, definitely three turns. But it also has this interesting like application where then it means that also if your opponent does have harsh rule, just bump my microphone, guys, sorry. If your opponent does have harsh rule, that they're also going to be killing their own shit too. And then, but they're put into this like weird bind if you're phasing out your opponent's stuff or shifting your opponent's stuff. This card is just has tons and tons of little potential like this and i am so here to to try it out i would not be as i said not would not be shocked if this is a four of constructed staple in in some some decks i would not be shocked to see if this getting nerfed in the future uh these are all like really um like bold predictions that like, I know these are hot takes. I'm not saying that this like for sure. I, I I still have to play with the mechanic. I have to get a feel better for how it how it works operationally. Um, that's that's something that's a pretty big um, thing of mine is that I really want to play with mechanics first before really getting a a hard take on um, precisely how I I think of them because there's so many of them that really just re require some familiarity with them. 
Um, but the, the next one that, that also falls into this is the Rost, the Walking Glacier. This is the 7-7 seven, seven, uh, for the 5 uh, cost and 5 primal influence and is overwhelm and warp and has entomb play Rost shifted. So this means that he, he'll die, he goes back to the battlefield, he is a shifted unit now, so he comes back then after a couple of turns. So, so you can kill him for three turns at a time. Like you can't even kill him while he's uh, in shifted, I believe. Like if he's if he is shifted after you killed him, and then you killed him again through like another harsh rule, uh, you he would just come back shifted again, I believe. That would have to be like confirmed though. I'll, I'll have to play with it. There's the, the the mechanics around shift are ones that I really have to get uh, comfortable with, but um. Yeah, he is a really spooky card. This is one of the reasons why Iced Bolt is not Path to Exile. This seems like a kind of card that could see play. Assuming that these are um, the, the, the five influence cycle sees any play, like this has got to be one of them. She's played it absolutely dumbs her control. 7-7 seven, seven is also really big. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... <laughs> It also is the dumpster's control. The fact that it's seven seven also is really good against Praxis too. That this is a, a long running joke that Praxis just can't beat seven sevens or bigger. And this is a seven seven, so that that matters. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. Uh, for for sure, this is a a fascinating card. I'll, I'll once again have to get you know, some feeling for it. Works really well if you're copying it too. Like if you get one in play and then you know copying it for for other things, it's going to be and you for instance he comes into play from being shifted and then you immediately place something like mirror image on it now you have two of them it's gonna be so hard to get these off of the battlefield and i really like that and i find that exciting and it's going to really reward different kinds of interaction so i'm i'm interested to see how this actually plays out seems powerful though um, there's a few other cards that are kind of you know, miscellaneous ones that i think that are interesting uh kira is one that i did touch on in my uh, a western set uh, western movie review or <laughs> story review that i did this time as a uh joku course like that was a fun one you can find a link to that in the description and in the comments uh, as well um a lot of fun to to do that one but this is a uh, a card that i'm i'm really happy that yodabite made it because it, it's um, one, I feel like everybody has kind of thought about this ability on a card uh, at some point in the past. Just the idea of like, hey, what if, you know, we, we do you know, our, our giant growth on our units, but it just didn't go away. What if it just stayed forever? And it, it, like, it's, it's something that I think we've all thought about sort of in passing, but the fact that he actually like decided like, yes, we're going to put this on a card and make it a you know, real part of the game, I thought was really, you know, cute and fun. And uh, I think this is a really sweet package. And the fact that... Um, Direwolf Digital even level up a power level compared to what he um, suggested. Like I think that the, the version that he had was a two two for three, um, and I saw, saw that I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. I don't think that'll see play out of play if they make that, um, but it's but it's a cute, interesting card, and maybe you play it in some like janky scream decks. Um, this card here, though, <laughs> this one I actually think has some very real potential. Um, like just finest hours or i don't know whatever man like you can do you can do lots and lots of shit with this uh rapid shot um it's it's really trivial to turn this into an absolute monster uh within just a couple of turns and it will just kill people like uh it does depend on the rest of the deck kind of coming together in order to make this um viable because like she can't kind of hold up the deck all by herself but there's a lot of other components there that i think are really exciting and interesting um so it like works really really well with um commando uh as well um that's one that is spooky as as shit because uh, once she gets two combat abilities then she's gonna be plus one plus one plus one all the way and all those combat abilities are you know man there's there's lots you can do with this and um i could be misreading it um it could be just the two twos for to basically need to have something unreal as their their text in order for it to be playable but jesus Christ, this is a really good card um when it when it's at its best when it's at its best there's some other cards though that are i think are interesting and i'm not sure where they land there's a whole cycle of these cards that are legendary spells that generate another card and they really interest me because 
Um, like, a lot of them have much less of the power level is in the first half. Let's put it that way. Uh, the, the, the first half is is a little bit uh, lower impact. But they generate another card that is really good, and that you then leads to a question of, like, okay, so where uh, it, does that make it playable? And, and, like, is it just too much work? Is it too much power investment? And um, I don't know. Uh, I think the Lokil have gone you know, really hard to write off cards like this one is a neat conviction. This is obviously the one I'm going to share because it was one that was, uh, of course, spoiled on A-Space Games. Thank you very much to Ghetto Bioland slash Matt slash Curious Follower for doing that on the, the website. And I think that he did a really nice article there. Once again, that'll be in the description, in the comments. You can find that. I'll link to that if you didn't you didn't see it but like I, I honestly think that a card of this nature is interesting because yeah cards like like hurler have been so good because you get another card that you can do something with this isn't the same it does different stuff and and that's um a, a weakness but it's still really powerful potentially and if you have all of the power to to use it properly and or if you had cost reducers for um warp uh cards or spells in general so i i think that this is a long shot um to this particular one that uh innate conviction i should just like read this card uh for it oh, i don't even know if i read uh kira <laughs> for it which is a marching because i think it's a it's a really sweet card i'm gonna do that really quickly um so kira that, that is uh two two for two with justice in one when kira gets um attack uh, health or battle skills for the turn she keeps them so that's just one for anybody who didn't remember that one that's the card i was talking about just before for the the, the folks from the podcast but, um, yeah, any conviction, this is a four-cost, a double primal influence warp card, and it deals three damage and has onslaught, create and draw a 3-4 arc dragon, and then the arc dragon is a 3-4 for four-cost, double primal influence, flying, berserk, overwhelm, and your spells deal plus one damage. Like, this, like, arc dragon is fucked up good. Fucked up good. Like, really, really powerful. Like, if this was a just a card that was in the game, I'm almost positive it would see very serious constructed play the uh conviction if it didn't generate that that dragon it would see absolutely no play um the whole package is really clunky and really expensive um but i just i don't know man i have a feeling that uh, people are underestimating the power of generating these extra cards and what you can maybe do with that and and uh, using these different resources um it's it's a long shot don't get me wrong i don't i don't think that this is de definitely not something that i would be crafting on day one um to to build around um but it, it's it's worth trying these out and, and thinking about them more carefully because it's a it's a different mechanic than i think people might be um really processing it and thinking about it as now, there are a bunch of other cards, though, that kind of fall into this category of niche, interesting, possibly good, possibly garbage spells that I am interested in looking into myself. Another one that I am really fascinated, and this is one that I have to admit I have a soft spot for, is Dizos Racket. Four cost, double shadow influence, uh, relic when you gain armor, draw that many cards, and take twice that much damage uh this card can draw you so many cards and i love drawing cards drawing cards is great um the problem is you kill yourself in the process <laughs> a little bit there's just like lots going on with this one that i think are really neat and are actually worth uh investing in. like this with alessi is really good um because she's constantly drawing you stuff like you can do like if your friend sends using a lessy with sh uh shift with this like phase out with with that um like so for example we'll play jesus wreck it on turn four turn five you play a lessy and then you phase her out immediately you draw a card you take damage um now you can just like pl play anything play anything like you know, a i don't know seek power now you you uh, take a damage, draw another card. And and you can just do this for you know, several turns in a row. And it's just, like, if you are able to develop an engine with this, I, I feel I'm also thinking about cards, even, like, I know this is, this is janky, uh, Water of Life? Like, Water of Life with this and Alessi, 
Like, that's really powerful. You gain two, you gain four life, draw two cards for the cost of two. Like, that's so good. Another one um, is Auric Runehammer. Like, that is a really powerful combo because you draw a card uh, and you don't take a damage for it and you're able to kill ch shit. It just does all sorts of really neat stuff, and it acts as a card draw engine. It's so clunky, and it has all this potential to go horribly wrong. <laughs> I get that element of it. There's there's definitely some some shit going on there um, for it that that it has me concerned, but I love it. <laughs> Gotta say, I love it, uh, and I and I hope that I am. That, that somebody cracks it. This does uh, tie into another one of this cycle of the you play it and then draw, generate another card um, is Righteous Intent. This is a three cost double justice spell. Gain three armor, create and draw a zero six uh, Kazefa True Heart. This is a spell, of course. And then this, the Kazefa True Heart is a five cost double justice influence lifesteal unit with attack equal to your armor. And when you gain health, you gain that much armor. Uh, so if you did some you know, bullshit with the, um, the racket, you could get some action going here with, with her as well. Um, like obviously... It doesn't really help your potential that much for killing yourself, um, because uh, I, I guess you ha when you're doing something like um, you know, you have Kazefa in play, you play a um, something like um, the the Water of Life, uh, you would take no damage functionally because you gain three armor and you gain three life, and then you take six damage, but then you draw three cards uh, for each copy. Um, so that actually sounds busted. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that sounds insane. Um, man, God, I want this to be good. I don't think that it is. <laughs> I think that it's gonna be. There's gonna be some problems here, but God, I want it to be good. It could be. Yeah, draw three cards. Ancestral recall. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Okay, we'll have to see. Um, there, but there are just like there's just all this sort of like weird, crazy, nuggy. Um, combo enabling bullshit that's just in the game, like on purpose. I don't know. It's it's wild to me. But like reread is another one that just falls into this category. That uh, this is a two cost spell, uh, primal influence. Draw a spell from your void. It gains void bound. Um, this really does enable some like cookie combo shit. I don't know what it is yet, but it, this feels to me like it goes well into a combo shell and there's different ways to maybe enable this to do even more um this the, there's just like more cards that just fit feel like they fit into like a storm type deck for those of you who didn't play mtg storm deck is a deck that uh, it was originally functioned around the storm mechanic and uh it still does to a certain degree but it doesn't necessarily have to um but it would play a ton of spells, a ton of man generating spells, a ton of card draw spells all in one turn and then kill your opponent sort of all at once. So it was a really um, standard combo deck in, in that respect, but it, the, the biggest thing that it would do is it just is able to find ways to generate you know, mana, recycle cards, uh, etc. So this is one that would fit into something along those lines where you can do something like play Kindle or you play, uh, like, um, let's say you, you play End of the Barrel. Like end of the barrel uh, for the ten power, um, and then you reread on the end of the barrel again. So that uh, all in all, that costs it generated his twenty power and costs fourteen. So you generate six in addition. So you would end uh, up you start with that like go on that turn with twelve power, and you could do a lot of bullshit for twelve power. Um, so that's all, you know, part of it. And, like, glimpse the um, possibilities. There's a card that also fits into that, like, idea that I've been, like, kind of talking about here, uh, where if you were part of this, this is the two-cost um, spell. The cards in your deck have warp this turn. Uh, if you are generating a ton of power, then it would be really sweet to then just have infinite card draw functionally, and this kind of works like that. Obviously, you can run into power clumps, and that does cause some problems, but there might be some ways to avoid that, too. Like, for instance, there's Tillier Sanctum. It's not part of the, the presentation um, for this time, the video for this time, but it is a, that's a 
card that allows you to play multiple power per turn. Like, that seems like a good way to clear out power clumps as well. So, like, oh, just, Jesus, there's... And then finally, like, the last one that kind of goes into this shell. And I think that just... There's got to be something here that's busted. Is the, the Bren Arc Magister. This is a seven-cost double fire spell. And when you play another card, you get plus one power this turn. I mean, it, it just feels as if there's got to be some way to break this. You play this with the the, the phase out um effects. It's going to do something. Um, but if you keep it in play in any you know, by any means, and I'm just really excited to see kind of how that ends up working. I, this is this is a really powerful card, and um, there's got to be some way to, to win the game. With this, in terms of like where it would stack up as a power level of a deck slash strategy, um, hard to tell. It's going to require a lot of really hard work and actually grinding out how these strategies will will function. But man, it's there, there. There's a lot of potential there, and if you guys are just kind of discounting it as being interesting and, and powerful then i just like you you might be really surprised you might be really surprised i mean like it could be totally wrong this is one of those ones that anybody who's saying like this is definitely going to be a tier one strategy like you're you're insane too but if you're saying that there's no chance of it then you're insane as well like everybody everybody's insane it's the important part now this, this is another card that caught my attention for combo ish potential this is death hit this is a three cost relic um Three a double time influence and it says all units have charge. Should note that that is symmetrical. So your opponent's stuff has charge as well. Uh, the reason that this one is interesting to me is that this does enable some combo bullshit as as well. We have things like the um, the storm deck previously that I did a video with. I think at some point. I think if I have, I did do a video with that, and this should be linked below as well. Um, but that was a lot of fun, and it's a really interesting strategy, and um, this would help enable something like this. This could also go into a Grinva Talir style deck. Not a Grinva, you wouldn't need Grinva anymore, actually, with a, a deck like this, a card like this. So I don't know. This is a, a powerful ability, powerful line of text all units have charged so we gotta see how that ends up playing out in um the actual uh, games this will require some serious testing though could be a total dud could be a total dud but it could enable something busted um and yeah uh, so go on as well goes into that that same thing this is what i'm saying like, there's a bunch of shit we can go into the these decks and these strategies go on undefeated is a five cost five fire influence card it has charge warp this is of course that member of the cycle and it says other your other units have warp it's really powerful it's really really powerful if you can keep her in play or if you can protect her and um i don't know there's just a lot to be interested in at, at least in a a combo deck like it feels like you could do a, a straight praxis build as well which would mean that you get to use the the insignia, which will help with your influence requirements, which are obviously really steep if you are playing uh, Godon. But like, so you could just do it as a uh, Godon. Um, the uh, yeah, yeah, like a just pra Praxis, Bren, Storm. Um, you have access to things like the Cell. Uh, Cell would be really, really good here. Um, end of the barrel as well, and then you find some way to just generate a ton of power, and then play much of your deck so i don't know whether that's actually going to be good or you know competitive or how it will stack up it'll at the very least create some really sweet moments i think there'll be some there'll be some fun games play with these with this style of deck and we just have to figure out where it ranks in terms of power level could be busted could be just um high tier jank <laughs> is a good way to put it there's a few other cards though i want to address that people have been talking about in, in varying ways and i think that are uh, worth mentioning in, in one way or another um this is null blade uh, that i have up on the screen right now four cost three shadow influence five three relic weapon when you when a unit or weapon goes to the enemy void it gets minus five minus five and then it has summon each unit and weapon in the enemy void gets minus five minus five this is definitely a interesting 
hate tool for a, any um, void-based strategies. The fact that um, Screw the Past sucks so badly right now um, uh, means that this should kind of replace him in most situations i think this is just a much better card and for the most part uh the triple shadow and there's a few things to mention i i, I guess though um well comparing to something like greatsword greatsword has been seen some market play it's very rarely been main decked it's kind of just fine right it's not not insane like this and having being a five three is not that much better than being a five two i think that I would say that you start getting into a difference when you're talking about 5-4 um, because it now avoids Torch. There's a bunch of X3 units out there. Um, so that break point seems like it matters a lot more to me than the difference between 2 and, and 3. It's just very hard to find, for instance, a uh, 2 attack unit that you're going to attack with Nellblade and then attack something else. Again, like there's a couple out there, but not a lot. Uh, I guess mainly you'd be merchants. Um, but th this seems like it would be a fine addition to some markets, especially if there are certain varieties of void-based combo decks slash synergy decks that um, make a comeback. Like this would be particularly good against um, Haunted Highway, which has been like doing okay. Like it's around on ladder, not insane, not near anywhere near its peak anymore because the power level of the whole your game has been climbing really rapidly, and I don't think that that's going to change here. But like this. So, but the, just the, the triple shadow influence, the fact that it's not great at, in terms of just raw rate, like, it seems okay to me, and it definitely will be good at handling very specific problems. But as a result, this I would then rate this as a maybe a one-of-inclusion in a Rise of the Challenge deck and a, or a one-of-inclusion in a market-slash-black market, but it's very unlikely, very unlikely, to be a staple in the metagame, especially in the, the main deck, unless things go in a very weird direction compared to where I'm expecting. Um, just the, the quote-unquote um, the hate aspect of this card is just not that good against a random deck like you, you're not going to if you're playing against praxis that just doesn't matter it's like you just have a 5-3 weapon if you're playing against um like huru uh it doesn't matter you just have a 5-3 weapon and it, it like obviously it's like okay against those decks because it's not good um like if you're hitting something like a sickleus with this like you take um like you trade one for one they've already hit you for five and then you take an additional two damage for your <laughs> for your work like it's it's not spectacular so it's like ultimately yeah it's it's a playable card uh especially in the the market to handle specific problems but if you think this is some sort of you know uh, especially against like reanimator this is just not a great um you know, answer to, to reanimator because they can a go off on you really really quickly with just a couple of of um yeah, uh, like the, the sport book, the fact that Vara is a 6-6 uh, six, six makes this much worse there. Um, like, I would obviously rather have the Semitic than not have the Semitic against Reanimator, but it's it's not an, a solution to, to something like that. So there's a lot of ways that this is not a super amazing hate card. It is just, like, an okay one. If Makdo somehow comes back and is insane, then you got something here, but that's, like, I don't see that happening. I want to talk a little bit about the, the twist cards. This is one that is a mechanic that um, is a little bit bizarre to me. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Uh, I f Actually, I, I do kind of know how I feel about it. But what I would say first is it really feels like a mechanic that has been pushed for draft and limited. It does not feel to me like it is. I've seen very many cards that look appealing for a constructed applications um there are weird um combo e things i think the tuckus is one of the, the few that i think is is kind of neat uh for for those of you who by the way just don't recall for whatever reason twist is a uh, activated ability that you can have like, activate in number of times on your units and that it gives them plus one minus one and uh it also adds something to you know, like, it does some, some effect beyond that uh, as well. For the ones we've seen so far, there's probably some common that has just twist on, on it, but it, all the ones that we've seen have had some uh, extra ability. The one that I'm showing on the, the board right now, the, the the screen right now is Stained Horror. This is the 1-3 uh, Shadow Influence. Your twist abilities cost one less to use. Like, I mean, maybe there's just some really cool combo pieces, a really cool combo deck. 
it does it and, and, and makes it really interesting. I don't really see a whole lot of it. Uh, Tukas, as I said, the only one, one of the few that has really stuck out to me as being just like obviously like really, really pushed. It just doesn't seem like a mechanic though. Like fundamentally that is going to be um, interesting for constructed because you just want to um, play out impactful things and you're just getting these minor value. Like if the, the base rate of the card that you're getting is just good, like you just have a, I don't know, solid body. Like let's say you have... Sandstorm Titan. <laughs> and then you just add a twistability of um, you know, three uh, and gain one life. Like, you're still going to just play um, Titan, right? So I guess that, that's part of it, too. It's just important to remember that um, the twistabilities... Like, if I read... Sometimes it's easy to read the twistability and say, I don't think this is a good deal of getting the twistability. But it's then easy to forget the rest of the card because you're kind of focusing on, like, oh, this twistability is bad. And um, if you think about things that way, and it's actually a little bit of a problem because you are sort of losing sight of really how the car operates. So the one that strikes out to me in, in this way is actually just the Minotaur Plate Maker. This is a four, uh, two, five double justice influence four cost Minotaur, and it has double damage. Play and it has the uh, twisted course, pay two and twist. Manager plate maker to play a plus two plus two weapon on one of your other units that isn't wielding a weapon. Um, it, the way that this is templated, it seems as if it's probably possible to play this without another web uh, unit in play without a weapon, so that, that at least that you have that. But like this is if you just kind of read this at its base. I mean, yes, I'm not really attracted to that twisted ability per se. It's not like super exciting, but you can um, you play with the playmaker on turn four. It blocks quite well. It blocks like a four or five, but doesn't get hit by vanquish. That matters. You guys all know that vanquish is a key one. And then you also have pristine um, uh, light. That is another one that falls into a similar category. It feels like this would go really well into a pristine light style deck. Um, but yeah, so you do that, and then on the next turn, if your opponent doesn't do anything or they, they tap out, you can go twist, twist, go up to a a, a four three, uh, or or you can do, like later in the game, you can go all the way up to a six one, and then attack for twelve, uh, which is amazing now there's a lot of power to, to do that but it's you just get these like really powerful uh, like options with something along these lines now this is one just like very deliberately has been pushed really hard and that makes it um kind of what makes it interesting for it the yep still the twist ability on this card is just like not really what you're playing it for it's just a, a durable double damage body which um pairs so well with basically anything any any effect you put a you know stupid Inquisitor's Blade or whatever on this, and you can kill somebody really fast. So that that's exciting, and that's interesting, and that's what makes this card one that stood out to me as I mean, for the most part, I just don't think that the twist mechanic is has felt pushed for constructed. And then there are a few other cards I wanted to highlight that I'm just like not excited about. Uh, we have Incendiary Slagmite is the one that I have up on the screen right now. This is a two-cost double fire influence three one it is a grenadine and has onslaught secretly choose a card in the enemy player's market next time they draw a card from their market transform the chosen card into a firebomb um okay this is a there's a lot of reasons why i'm not crazy about this i don't feel as if Fire has gotten a ton of new, you know, modifiers has gotten a ton of new tools. Having double fire influence in the casting you know, requirements is is rough for a two-drop like this. And like, it's just, this is a higher adept is the base rates here, right? Like, this is a, um, like, like a higher adept. <laughs> it's not constructed playable. It's not. Uh, and... The, the template is a little bit weird. I'm not sure whether your opponent is going to know what card has been turned into a firebomb. Uh, it does still have that axis of giving you a solution to a K card in the market, but I just, as an aggro deck, which is something that you care about, it's just not nearly as powerful and as standard. Because you can't... Like, playing this out on turn two is embarrassing. Like you don't want to play this out on turn 
on turn two, and it's just the the stats are so bad at any point afterwards. And it's not like like pyro edit. It's not like pyro edit is good on turn two even. Uh, so you you can't just like have that argument of saying like, well, you played it on turn two, you can play it on later game, and it's either good earlier, good late. And like, no, not really. Uh, it's not good early, <laughs> and, and, and late like like you have to play this on um, before your opponent gets to turn three, right? Like, because if, if they get their super great, you know, like, I don't know, sweep, sweeper or lifesteal effect that's going to, you know, shit on you, like, you have to get the slagmite out before then. Uh, otherwise, it does nothing. So you'd have to play this, I think, in a really one-drop heavy fire aggro deck, and I just, that just sounds really, really sketchy to me. And you're still going to be dead to Hailstorm. Like, absolutely clobbered by that, if that's something that people end up playing again. So it's going to be really hard. This, this has a, a big barrier to overcome. <laughs> really big barrier to overcome. Interesting note, though, this, the, the art on this one is a is art that was used previously on a card back in closed beta. I can't remember the name of it now. But it was a um, unit with killer that every time it killed something, it gained the stats of the unit that it killed. And I remember at that time when they made that, that they removed that from the game, I think during the, there was the closed beta to open beta switch. Uh, I, th as somebody mentioned, I think that it was even Serino back when he was on the podcast, uh, that, um, that the art was probably going to come back at some point in the future <laughs> it just took a couple of years so we did we did that uh finally um but yeah so i don't know this one some people are excited about it um i think that certain market hate card like this reminds me of pony snatcher that people were really excited about they thought it would totally shit on markets uh, i really didn't that much it's seen you know very little play and i have gotta say that incendiary slagmite has Slagmite, rather, not Slagmite. Slagmite has many of those same properties. Crashing Avalanche, this is really one that also kind of prompted me to do this. This is one that I had a little bit of conversation with people on Twitter about. I'm still thinking about doing an article on kind of the idea behind that I was trying to propose in the, the conversation uh, around this one, but um, it was kind of a more broad idea about knowing things and about uh, how we test things in a card game or anywhere in, in life. Um, but this is a three cost double primal influence warp card, fast spell, and it deals four damage to each enemy unit and site that was played this turn. Now, the there are parts of this card that read really powerful, that, that read really strong. Uh, and I think that there's just some kind of traps in here almost. Like, like Warp is really good on a card like this. Fast Spell is really good on a card like this. The issue is that you have to... That it only hits the units that were played and start sites that are played this turn. Which means that you have to keep open power. If your opponent doesn't play into this, which is really easy to do if they know that you have it or have access to it, like they can draw cards, they can play an insignificant or like a, like a merchant, like a value unit. They can play a weapon, and if they do that, then you, or they hold up a fast spell, like you get super punished for, for this. And the fact that you can't even, for example... Like the old times when you'd have to hold up Death Strike for whatever reason, and you you um, you expect your opponent plays to play something good, uh, you your opponent decides not to play anything. They think that you're holding up Death Strike. Um, they attack with their unit, and then they just pass the turn. It's like, well, in that case, you say, well, I guess I'm gonna Death Strike the thing that they have in play and kind of go on with my life. You don't have that option with this card. This card is going to just like do absolutely nothing in that scenario, and that could just punish you so badly when you're looking at something like, do I play the show's um, the treasure? Do I strategize? Do I play at a merchant, or do I hold up crashing avalanche? And um, not to mention the fact that four isn't like a ton either. Like you're not going to. Like, uh, like yes, there's a good deal of three drops that you're going to hit with this. You're very rarely going to trade up in terms of power. Now, some people might be thinking, it's like, well, you're trading up in terms of power if you kill a site. In that case, you're trading down in terms of card advantage, though. If you, uh, like, let's say that you have something like Palace. Palace, if you uh, hit something with a uh, stand and then your opponent 
uh, after you you know, smack them for like nine, then plays Crashing Avalanche to kill your palace, you're kind of just fine, right? Like, like we've all had the, the situation where you've had displayed impulse fired at your site. Like, like, I guess that's the best compa comparison. How does this really relate, compare to display of impulses for damage mode? It's so much worse. How much, like, for, it's better against assembly line than any other spell that generates multiple units the same turn. Those aren't popular for right now. It's good against, I guess, Witching Hour? Really good against Witching Hour. Um... That's not a major part of the metagame, though. So th this is clearly a, a rant. It's this is a narrow card. I don't expect it to, to to be very good. Some people are interested and excited about it and talking about how this makes you know tap out or um, you know like hard control decks um, much better. And I just don't think that that's the case. I don't think that this is going to see basically any play in competitive uh, situations. It's, it's far too too narrow and. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, but um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and I, I, people can dunk on me if you uh, if I am. Like, I'm I'm willing to do this. This is when I'll take a stand on. I just say that this card is bad, and it's not worth. It. I'm not interested in playing with it. But that will do it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really fun and interesting uh, romp through all of it. Definitely took a little bit longer than I was expecting. I had a lot of thoughts on all of this, and um, generally this, the set looks incredibly powerful. Uh, I mean, I kind of mentioned before that it seems as if there's a whole lot of power creep going on right now, and uh, I would definitely say that that's kind of holds. Here, uh, really hard to guess where the metagame is going to go from here because there's just so many powerful tools, and it's also not clear. It's not like I've seen a an obvious deck that's like, oh, well, we just have all the pieces together for this thing that is definitely going to come together. It's like, no, we have like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, it'll make it a whole part of parsing what's going on here difficult. But anyway, that'll be it for me. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and comment to show support for the channel. I greatly appreciate your time. Take care, everybody.